Right, welcome everybody to Legal Tech Week for September 8th, 2023. Uh, we are uh, gearing up one week away from our big gala 100th episode, 200th episode, 300, I lost count. Uh, big, uh, big event next week. We're going to be uh, having everybody who has ever been a, a panelist on this program on. Well, we're hoping to. Caroline, you can't make it right next week, right? You're not able to. Do it. I was wondering, Bob, if we could record like little excerpts that you stream, like we'll turn it into a show. I think that would be great. Wouldn't it be great? So everyone gets a little snippet. If anyone can't make it, we record like a little congratulations on the show type thing. Yeah. Well. Uh, welcome. We would love to have you do that. Uh, you can welcome, do a little message to us, and how much how much you like us all, and what good people yeah. we are, and <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. Uh, anyway, that's going to be next week. Uh, turning to this week, uh, we are uh, <laughs> a few things to talk about this week. Uh, you see who the panelists are. Uh, I am Bobby Roji. I'm the moderator. I write the blog Law Sites and have the podcast Law Next. And uh, joining us today are Caroline, you want to go first? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm Caroline Hill. I'm the editor-in-chief of Legal IT Insider. Good to be here, Bob. All right, and uh, Nikki Black. My name is Nikki Black. Nice to see you all. I am the head of SME and external education at My Case and Law Case. I write legal tech columns for ABA Journal, Above the Law, The Daily Record, and elsewhere. And I also oversee and write the benchmark and the annual industry report uh, that we put out over on the my case and law case side. Stephanie. Stephanie, welcome. Oh, hi. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't I forgot to, you know what? I forgot to pull my mic over here. My mic oh. is like way over. Yeah. Here's my mic. I'm like, who's ignoring that? I have a mic. <laughs> um, yes, I'm Stephanie Wilkins, Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. I haven't done this podcasting stuff before. It's hard to remember to have a mic. Uh, and Joe. Uh, Joe Patrice, the senior editor of Above the Law and the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. And I am in the midst of a thunderstorm. Uh, so if I disappear, that would be that power went out, uh, which it did last night. So, you know, we're already on borrowed time. Okay, I hope that's not coming my way. And uh, last but not least, Steve. Hey, Steve Embry. I write the blog Tech Law Crossroads, um, and I, uh, it's no thunderstorms here, but it is hot. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, last week we did our kind of postmortem on uh, Iltacon, and uh, Caroline was not able to be with us last week, and uh, she wrote a, a piece, uh, well, she wrote a few pieces from Iltacon, but in particular uh, talked about some of her thoughts about the uh, the G100 and 200 programs they did and uh, interview with the new president. So you want to tell us a little bit more about all of that? Yeah, thanks. Um, so yeah, so Tony McKenna took over formally as ILTA's president on the 31st of August, although he got elected in May. Um, it's the first time that we've had a, a non-American president of ILTA. Um, so we talked a little bit about the geographic spread um and that else is going to be trying to grow internationally which is exciting but um, non-american is kind of a derogatory term how about like otherwise countryed or something like that <laughs> so so i'm 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 announcing i'm going to run for the next presidency of ilta with a make america great again campaign <laughs> promise <laughs> spring ilta back to america 
Um, so yes, and he gave us and then gave me the royal we um, an insight into obviously the G100 sessions are closed to business partners. So there's always a lot of interest in what they talked about, um, even more so than the other streams. Um, and you will not be surprised to hear that they talked a lot about generative AI, shock horror. Um, they talked about um, how they're going to be delivering it internally in their applications um, and what that looks like. Um, so some of them talked about hiring people to come and work within the law firm and what sort of skills they'd need and what that looked like. And then, um, but Tony said, actually, he feels that that's the wrong approach and or not his approach and that um, that he would prefer to rely on business partners, vendors who have the expertise, they're investing heavily, they're developing products. So, so there's like a difference of opinion in terms of what that looks like. And then he also came on to talk about um, that there was a big focus on cost, as you won't be surprised to hear probably. So he was saying that Copilot is as, as expensive as your enterprise licenses. Um, and although it's being pitched as you've got to have it, he's saying that doesn't really help when it comes to getting the money or pitching it to your CEO or CFO. Um, so there was a lot of conversation in, within the groups about um, about the cost um, and, and you know how you make how you make sense of that um, and there's yes yeah, so there's a lot of talk, talk about Microsoft um, and and also just I suppose lastly software costs generally I think so there's um, you know software costs are going up it's hurt they're already hurting you know and so um, it's just a conversation about you know realistically how do they move forward um, when you're talking about hiring people and and it seems like perhaps that what they need, in my opinion, is to perhaps be a bit forensic, and that might that might mean having some honest conversations about who which jobs get cut. Obviously, there'll be new roles created, but I think perhaps some more honest conversations. But anyway, it was really interesting. I think that probably sums it up. The interesting thing about Copilot is uh, it's interesting to hear that they are talking about the cost issue because so many uh legal tech vendors are already building their integrations with copilot and they seem to be pretty much banking on the fact that copilot is going to get adopted by law firms and it's it's kind of hard to imagine law firms not doing that ultimately i mean it, it seems that microsoft is putting so many eggs in that basket and some vendors are putting so many eggs in that basket that it seems like it's going to be inevitable for the law firms to to, to want to go down that road but I guess it's how they, so when I spoke to, to when they first announced the pricing, so it's $30 per person per month, which somebody recently pointed out to me, they said, it's only a dollar a day when you think about the amount of great things it does. But anyway, um, when they first announced- <laughs> Is that a person at Microsoft? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> only a dollar a day, it depends how many people you have, right? But um, they, someone was saying, it's something has to give, right? That, yeah. that can't just keep spending money. So I think they're going to have to be having conversations about how to justify what gives, how do they work out, you know, what they save. Um, it'd be interesting to see if anyone hears of any sensible conversations about that or calculations going on behind the scenes. Well, we still don't even really know what it is. I mean, we <laughs> co-pilot. I mean, it's still it, it's still more a concept than anything else. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on that? 
that may be uh, <laughs> that may be a good transition to uh, to Stephanie to a couple of stories you guys had this week on law firms building their own chat interfaces. I mean, uh, why worry about Copilot and everything else? We just build it ourselves. Yeah, it's August has been the month of law firm chatbots. There's at least you know, six off the top of my head that in August alone that were launched. Um, yeah, I, th I think it could be that, but I think it also, this sort of was in line with my takeaway from ILTA that <clears throat> there's sort of a more mature understanding of AI in the industry now, I think. People are moving beyond, you know, chat GPT, they're understanding it needs, they're understanding the concerns that go into it. And they're dealing with part of the reason they are dealing with these internal chatbots is because they don't want the security risk. They don't want the, their information getting out. But it's just, I feel like every other day we were getting PR this week about a big law firm having a chatbot, which is really interesting. I am wondering how long it's going to be until people expect firms to have chatbots. And if you don't have one, you're behind the curve. Or say you have one. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, they're internal, so it's not like we can test them and see what they're doing. But yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was interesting with that. I, I wrote about the Gunderson Detmer mm -hmm. launch of theirs in August. I wrote my post was on August 9th. And at the time I interviewed them, like, I don't know, you know, early, a week earlier or something, they had said, we're the first law firm anywhere to have a, a our own proprietary chatbot. And then between the time that they were, uh, that, that I put my post up and the time that I had talked to them, uh, who was a Denton, it was a Denton's, right? I think a Denton's put yeah. out there. Denton said they planned to launch one, but they were uh, a little bit uh, unclear on to when when they were going to launch it. Although I think by now they must have launched it yeah. must be by the end of August. But but so you know, I kind of had my story written about Gunderson being the first to do this, and then I was like, well, it's the first in the U.S. Maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the, the first four hundred lawyer firm to do it. <laughs> yeah, you're always going to be first because there's one that actually I was our international publication that picked it up. It's an Australian firm, Allen's, and they had come through saying we're the first, and they checked with us, and we were think we were like, well, maybe they're the first in Australia. Don't say they're the first because it's just. It's everywhere, yeah. Well, so at ILTA, Trevor Smith, who yeah. also say they're the first and they open sourced the work because they're very big into open source. They're kind of, um, they're quite big in the AI, AI community. Those guys have quite a lot, have a lot of respect for them. Um, they open sourced the work that they were doing and then, and then got, you know, relatively upset that everybody else said that they were the first because <laughs> they were like, this isn't in the spirit of the thing. And, um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. Um, I haven't actually gone yeah. through it, measured all the timing, so I'm not going to lie. Yeah, the only that's, one on the on the August sorry, the only one on the August list we haven't mentioned so far was Davis Wright Tremaine. I think those are we've now mentioned like the six August ones. Sorry, Steve, I cut you off. No, no, that's okay. I, I was just going to say I, I said a little facetiously that they they say they are doing it, but uh, you know that, that that is sort of the thing, particularly with law firms that offer these kinds of announcements. Uh, much like legal vendors, <laughs> right? They say, they say we've got these great, and, and maybe even Microsoft, we say that we're going to launch this great tool, but nobody's really knows, right? Except the people in the firm, yeah. and they're usually not talking. And yeah, the thing, one of the things I picked up at ILTA was this sort of a, the race for law firms to be able to proclaim that they have generative AI tools and the pressure that could be put placed on IT departments to come up with something AI, anything AI. And I, 
I just take these announcements a, a bit with a grain of salt, wondering how how robust some of these tools are that they are proclaiming to themselves to have. I had a great. I hate to. I hate to be a skeptic. <laughs> yeah. I had a great chat with Casey Flaherty at Elta about that. So we were talking about a lot of people were focusing on the hype and the fact that the products are immature. And he was we, he was talking about how hype is a is a genuine inflection point, and hype and inflection points always come together. And that people who are sort of focusing on the hype, because obviously it, it's right at the top of Gartner's hype cycle, ready to slide down the trough. Um, but just because of that, he was saying, you know, it's not a good reason for people to sort of lull themselves into thinking, oh, actually, this is just all a bit, all a big hype, and it's going to calm down soon. He was saying it's the real deal, and uh, we we know this, right? We know this, but it's more a case of how you react and how you respond. And he was saying the products are immature; some of them won't work, um, you know. Um, and he's, but that doesn't mean you know you, that the, there won't be like a next round with invest better investment, better products. And and he was sort of encouraging people. To, to take it seriously, but to sort of, you know, be learning, educating themselves, experimenting, not necessarily going out and buying every last thing, <laughs> yeah. but just, yeah, right? So just saying, learn, look, teach yourselves, work out how you're going to go move forward, look at, work out what sucks, what doesn't suck if possible. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting because there was a lot of talk about, oh, it's all really hyped and the products are, you know, really new and, and which is true. All of it is true, right? It's, um, it's new. Yeah. I had an interesting conversation, similar conversation with Jeff Viper of Lexus Nexus, and he he posed the question whether this is going to be like blockchain or is it going to be like the iPhone? And you know, I think most of us would say it's probably going to be like the iPhone. And yeah, I mean, even with the iPhone when it first came out, it, it didn't do much, but it was cool. And and then it did started doing more and more and more. And some of the things that they tried with their with the apps worked, and some of them didn't. Yeah. will be true here i think well casey was talking about mic sorry um well go ahead i'll jump in after you casey was talking about the microsoft phone that was a failure there was like lots of different things that have been failure. sorry anyway you go nikki well i was just going to say i've said it before and i'll say it again i really agree with what gates said which is um you know it was the, the uh, pc the internet and then and i think you know and the bulk of my legal tech career has been focused on everything that followed the internet and I thought all those are really huge changes, including the iPhone. But um, I also think back to whenever I give a lot of, uh, I've given my talks over the years about tech, and this just occurred to me as you guys were talking. Um, I'll talk about Star Trek and how, you know, when I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation in law school, you know, I left the final early to get to the premiere of a movie. Like it got me through law school. Um, I remember thinking none of this technology is ever going to be available in my whole life. And, you know, when I give talks, I talk about how, you know, we have, so many of these things, you know, uh, um, the, the, the equivalent of so many things. But one thing that we really didn't have, we sort of had it, um, like the Alexa, but Alexa didn't work the way we thought that it would, right? Like in Star Trek, they will talk to a computer and you'll hear them sometimes work out a really complex problem. They'll also be able to throw up a hologram and visualize whatever it is and manipulate it and move it. But they will talk to a computer or interact with a computer, change the request, change you know um factors or assumptions and get to the end result that they need and i do that now with chat gpt certainly i'm not trying to figure out some sort of complex wormhole issue but i am like oftentimes trying to figure some issue out and i will say what about this and what about that and what if i ask this or what if i change this and it knows what i'm talking about and it will go back to this original query 
and it comes up with these fantastic ideas. And I really do have a very hard time. And I, we have a little conversation we have amongst ourselves sometimes, but I have a real hard time thinking of it as um, I've heard a lot of um, people that know AI say that it's just predicting the next word. I, I, I feel like there's a little more, I'm not certainly not claiming sentience or something, but this is like this unbelievable thing that we have available to us that we've never really had before. Um, and, uh, it, and it reminds me of sort of that next step in Star Trek and that tech that sci-fi people envision truly is tech that comes to fruition. So I think that's important to keep in mind. I think it's an, a huge change disruptive thing. It's massive. It's massive. Someone said to me that they were comparing it. It was really funny. They were going, they were comparing it. They were going, right, well, someone compared it to the introduction of, of the PC, um, of the iPhone. And he said, and then he went, someone compared it to the introduction of fire. But I think that was taking it a bit far. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's they already done better than blockchain, so. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> At least it does something. They, they did mean the Kindle fire, though, so it's not not as crazy as. Uh, they didn't mean he meant fire. He was joking, but that's hilarious. Imagine if he actually meant the Kindle fire, and I was like, that would be a bit, I Bitcoin also thought fire something. festival. Boris just said that. Fire festival. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Uh, my, I don't know about you, Bob, but my Bitcoin has not been doing much lately. <laughs> oh, it's doing a lot. It's just not doing it in the direction I want it to go. Right. I guess it, fair it, enough. <laughs> it sounds like Burning Man was the uh, the the biggest <laughs> show since Fire uh, Festival. Uh, seems like that was the the pre the 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 successor to that one. That's who who was the law professor that was at the, the former solicitor, deputy solicitor oh, general? Me, What's Neil, his, Neil, is Neil Cat? Neil Katyal yeah. was there. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm sure there were a few other law professors there as well. But. And he caused the whole trench foot controversy in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, idea, no idea. No idea. <laughs> he like, Joe, you guys wrote about it. You can talk about it. Yeah. He, uh, he posted some advice because he escaped, you know, when they still were closed off and people weren't able to get out. And he escaped and passed along information that some ranger had given him about, like, how to wrap your foot to avoid trench foot. And instantly, a bunch of the doctors and military folks were like, that is actually how you get trench foot. Do not do any of this. And it became a whole thing on social media. Yeah, he yeah. was like, put plastic bags under your socks and boots when you're hiking six miles in mud to escape this right. festival from hell. And then oh, everyone right. was like, that's how people got trench foot in World War One. Why are Yeah, we because it, it seals it too much. And so your sweat causes the, the trench foot then. So you don't want it, you don't want it to be wet, but you can't like seal it in plastic because that actually means that the wetness that you're creating causes the problem. So like you need to air it out. Like it's a whole loop. It, it was a real rabbit hole of medical information we had to go through this week. I feel like I'm going to walk around barefoot for the next week just to be on the safe side. This sounds disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was uh, this is one of the good reasons you listen to this podcast. You learn all these interesting things, right? It's, it's yeah, not don't get trench foot. It's not don't just get trench foot. Yeah. Sound um, medical advice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say, I, I, actually, I don't even know if this is at all relevant anymore. We were, we were talking, we, Carolyn, when you were first talking about sort of your, your conversation with Casey, uh, I mean, we were talking, I think it was last week or a couple, we've talked a couple of times this show about how there is now this tendency among all the legal tech companies to 
you know, just announce all these products that don't exist yet. And, and I don't know if that's if, it, if it's just hype or not, but clear, you know, in some cases they're in development, in some cases they're not, but they're definitely announcing products way before the time they would normally have announced them in the past uh, and way before they're ready for any kind of a commercial release, let alone even a beta release. And I mean, we saw that again this week with, with Ironclad announcing its, uh, its uh, Kai, which happens to also be the name of its co-founder, uh, but uh, you know they—they've—it sounds like a really cool product, and they've got some videos and stuff showing how it works. But they're announcing it; it's not—it's not even out in beta yet. They're going to put it out in beta like next month or something, and then and then develop it. So th this is just a, a real trend we're seeing in terms of companies putting this stuff out like this. So I, th I mean, yes, and I think part of the reason they want to, to, to get people involved in the beta, don't they? They want to line them up and there's so much competition, you know, like people, yeah. have, people have been criticizing, like in, innovation teams that I speak to say that they've never experienced this like waiting list culture, right? These, these The criticism of some of the newer Gen AI companies is that they've got this website with NAF all on it, no information and just like waiting list. And, you know, they're kind of trying to drum up this... And then with the more established players, I think they're trying to get people draw up maybe some of the same excitement and get people involved in the beta 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 beta. Um, but I think yeah, you know, I mean, there must be a line, mustn't there? Before which it's just bullshit, right? Like there must be. I don't know where that line comes. Like there's getting people excited, and then there's just announcing complete like vaporware, and I don't know where that line comes. <laughs> did you have any? Did you when you talked about it? Did you sort of have any thoughts on that? We had no answers. We just asked questions. Yeah, I thought we were getting past it for a little bit in the beginning, you know, January, February. It was just PR after PR with this AI splashed all over it. And I thought it had started to die down a little bit. And now between, you know, the, all the chatbots and all the everything, I feel like it's ramping up again. I mean, it sounds like more sophisticated non-announcements, but it's it's <laughs> definitely an issue. Yeah. Dan was saying, don't expect mature product. That's what I was saying. I think these are all very immature products. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, right? Because we're very early stage in the market, I think, to have a mature product. The one that did perhaps have a more mature product was obviously case text, um, because they were already working with large language models and they pivoted and, you know, worked with the, one of the earliest to work with GPT-4 and and but I think mostly you can expect it to be really immature products. Yeah. And I don't think the companies do themselves any favor when they pretend otherwise. I mean, when I'm, if I'm ever talking to somebody and they admit that they're still in exploratory phase or it's early on, I respect it a lot more and I'm more likely to be interested in what they're doing because I don't feel like I'm trying, I'm being sold a bill of goods. Yeah. We're getting the rain and about to trying to save save somebody from getting soaked. <laughs> Joe's rain is moving our way now, uh, and Kathy Kenton is standing outside in it. Well, uh, not sorry, Kathy. Yeah, I have the thunder here now too. So, um, were we talking about open source something before? <laughs> I, I was thinking in my mind, oh, there's a transition to open source, and then I can't remember what we were talking about, but. Uh, I, I had a, a story this week on on this uh, uh, partnership between one NDA and Simple Docs to put out this free software to automate NDA requests and negotiations. Uh, and I think it's actually a sort of an interesting 
What's sort of interesting is the whole concept. Uh, you know, I mean, one NDA is attempt to come up with a standard NDA that everybody uses because NDAs are basically all the same. And and I mean, the language varies a little bit from from contract to contract or from company to company. Uh, but uh, you know, the the statistics are that companies are spending a ridiculous amount of time on these things, going back and forth on red lines over NDAs, even though they're they're basically really not all that different and so uh so one nda is this is this uh group uh started by uh, uh electra japanese 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 i don't know how to say her last name out of london um to kind of create a standard template nda that and just sort of similar to you know damian real and sally trying to come up with uh, tagging standards but a standard form of an nda and it turns out there's like four different organizations in, in the legal space trying to come up with a standard nda uh if it's that hard to do that i worry about when we start trying to get to other contracts but but the uh but the concept is interesting and then and then simple docs is a, is a company that's uh now created an automation platform around that that it's giving away for free so anybody can go in and use this platform to uh, generate an nda using the one nda model and it's simply a a, a, a platform in which you just kind of go in and set a few parameters that you want to be kind of standard for your ndas like choice of jurisdiction or uh, term or a couple of uh there's basically four or five variables that you can set and then everything else is standard and you basically agree you're not going to negotiate anything else about the NDA. Uh, you're, you're going to go with the standard terms. Um, and I, don't know, it's, I think it's an interesting concept in terms of standardizing common legal agreements. Uh, and it, and then, you know, good, good for Simple Docs for also creating a, a free platform to, to help automate it and make it more available to people. Um, but I don't know if people have seen this otherwise or thought about this at all. Have they have they done an analysis of where the big differences come? Like so, presumably you could get take lots of different NDA. I know you couldn't do the whole gamut, but I wonder if you could, you know, compare how they differ if they differ, and then where it's substantially. Is that what you mean? So they've got like a kind of drop down, and they're like different options in terms of the automation. So I, the essentially what they have is a standard agreement, and and yeah, the only the, the only I don't even think it's a drop down. I think in terms of choice of jurisdiction you can choose either arbitration or court and then you know geographic jurisdiction whether the courts of of, of new york or or uh wherever uh term you can set a specific a a, a custom term uh, i don't know if there's a drop down on that but how long will this be good for uh and then of course the, the party names or, or variables and those things but um uh, what else was there? A couple, one or two other things, but that was about it for the variables. Uh, but I don't know if they have looked at how much they really changed. They did put together supposedly a study group of, you know, GCs and, and law firm people and others to help kind of create this template. The template's been around for a couple of years now, 2021, I think is when they actually released the first version of it. Um, but uh, the automation is the new part. It would be good to understand how they how they differ if you know if there are other than the things that you were very obvious you know options um whether there are substantial differences or whether actually we're just sort of wasting a huge amount of time by spending any time at all on them because you know it does seem to be a bit of a stupid 
exercise, isn't it? If if you could potentially come up with one, it would be beneficial. I don't see that it, there's any kind of competitive advantage, particularly in in NDAs. Yeah. I think it's I, I think the the interesting part of the from talking to about uh, um, uh, uh, the the uh, Electra um, about this uh, and also uh, Preston uh, I'm blanking on Preston's name Preston Clark uh, the co-founder of the Simple Docs is is that even though these agreements are are very much the same they did have statistics on the fact that legal departments are spending large amounts of time on these which are basically inconsequential i mean even once you negotiate the nda half the time it's not even enforceable anyway <laughs> it's kind of a you know an odd kind of an agreement uh, uh in the first place but um yeah it doesn't seem interesting to be trend. any competitive edge and then if you did agree it then presumably, you know, all the benefits that you derive from standardization, you could start to start to sort of use that time and potentially money to dip, to get, you know, to analyze, I don't know, different stuff. It just it doesn't seem to me to make any sense. But then we've been talking about standardization for ages and it's very, very difficult to achieve, as we know, although Damien Royal seems to be doing a good job right now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Nikki, you... We had a couple of stories. I'm not sure which one you want to talk to. Why don't you pick uh, pick one the one you prefer? Well, I, I think I'll highlight my ABA journal article and then maybe touch on the other one because there's not. That's I don't no fair. Fit. You can't do both. Well, but the ABA <laughs> journal article, fine. I'll highlight. I mean, I wrote it and I like <laughs> no, to highlight my writing. <laughs> I'm kidding. You know, <laughs> it's about. Um, um, ABA journal article is about uh, legal billing software. Um, anyone who reads. My article or who tunes in knows that I write about a different category of software each month. Lately, I've been alternating between more traditional software and um, new AI, generative AI type software. Um, and so just to quickly highlight it, you know, legal billing software is not exactly the hottest topic, um, at least because it's traditional, it's reliable. We've had this around for a while and it moved into the cloud. But um, the reason I write these um, every few years on these more traditional categories of software is because the market changes. And um, it's been, I think, three years since I wrote about legal billing software and the market changes and there are some advancements and new tools available. So in this case, there, um, there was a lot of um, <clears throat> consolidation. Some of the companies got snapped up and then they were turned into more broad scale practice management platforms instead of just legal billing. Then there are new entrants in the market, like LawPay Pro. Uh, caveat, I work for the company Affinapay that produces LawPay Pro, um, but that was a new category that we um, put out on the market that was just legal billing software, sort of a bridge between payment processing and practice management. And um, then there are a few other ones that I covered as well. Um, and it's, you know, now that everything's in the cloud and um, there's a, a, only a handful of standalone legal billing software tools, because like I said, a lot of them have expanded into practice management as they've been acquired by other companies. So I just tried to provide a roadmap of the um, overview of this type of software and a roadmap of the tools that are available on the market and some of the price points to give lawyers who are looking into this software um, who may not want to dip their feet totally into a full-fledged practice management tool. Um, some legal billing software solutions that they might be interested in. So that's what that article covers. Um, 
anybody want to discuss that because that's a super you know is the law pay the one the best the there. best of the of the ones you review i mean you know i <laughs> i'm not gonna offer my opinion on that <laughs> okay just wondered <laughs> um well, you did ride. You're entitled as a writer, you know. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I have to refrain from offering my obvious uh, opinion on that one. <laughs> so you're saying you're not you're not too crazy about the law pay one? No, that's not anything. It's law pay pro, and y'all are welcome to check so, it out. So, I, I love I love the way Nikki sort of had plausible deniability. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't write about it, although it's obvious which one. <laughs> Um, good. I mean, That's I, good, Nikki. <laughs> but y'all know that in those are I write about competitors, like direct competitors in that column, you know. So I when I, I try very hard to have a neutral, uh, to wear my neutral legal press hat, if you will, when I write about this software. And that's why I've been writing the column for four years now, I think, because I do a good enough job of walking that line. So I try to do that mm -hmm. even when I'm speaking on this show, but y'all know what I'm where my heart goes. Um and then <laughs> um the other thing I just sort of pulled right before the show, I haven't read the article in depth. I do this sometimes more because it's a great talking point and a sign of what's happening was um, a Gizmodo article about how I tweeted about earlier in the week when I came across it. Nine different stadiums are now using facial recognition software um, in order, uh, you know, for attendees. And so um, to replace tickets, kind of like you're seeing happen at some of the, like Delta, I think does this and at certain gates when you're traveling, um, you know, and I, I think this is a, you know, when I tweet about these things, definitely a AI sign of things to come or a sign of the times. I mean, uh, it's just one more way that we're getting tracked, um, one more way that both public and private um, uh, entities have access to our biometric data. <laughs> and one more way that um, you can be tracked if the government decides to subpoena or otherwise access that information from these private entities. And some of them, I'm not even sure are private, I think some of them are actually owned by municipalities. So, um, uh, or at least they have a piece of some of these stadiums. So I think it's an interesting sign of the times and it's just one more direction, uh, sense of where we're headed. <laughs> you know, our biometric data is no longer our data, it's just data that's out there that can be linked back to us. So kind of alarming. They should they should broadcast on the jumbotron everybody as they come in as they do their facial recognition thing, get to see everybody in the stadium. What if you wore a fake beard? Like, or like, <laughs> what was it? You was wouldn't it get in. Was it radio? It was Radio City Music Hall that yeah. used facial recognition to to ban lawyers that were representing ad, adverse interests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in Madison, Madison Square Garden, too, because they're owned by yeah. the same uh, idiot. Uh, yeah, he's banning well, you're never, any You're never getting in there again, Joe. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I, I am not averse to him in anything. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, no, they um, they are banning any lawyer who's averse to his company's interests in any venue. So even if you know they couldn't go to Radio City because the woman's law firm, she wasn't even on the case, but her law firm is representing somebody suing for a slip and fall in some <laughs> restaurant he owns. Uh, right. It's just really petty bullshit. That just shows that it's crazy, right? Like it's it's, it's sort of going to be 
there's going to be so many great areas right in terms of whether they're breaching regulation whether they're discriminating with them i just wonder if it'll actually work but given that these my facial recognition on my iphone regularly goes no i don't know who you are (laughs) 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 it's better than that dave posted an interesting link in the um comments (laughs) but i i think my favorite part about that is the jump that the journalists made from your cars tracking to your movements to apparently everyone's having sex in cars too so it's tracking your sex life as well i mean they must have interviewed a bunch of 20 year olds maybe i'm getting old i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but i thought that was an interesting maybe you just have too small a car i don't know know, that's an interesting jump for the the journalist to go from like they're tracking your uh you know tracking you in your car to they know all about your sex life so well, that's why I live in New York City. We don't have cars. No one knows what I'm up to. <laughs> Do cars all have cameras facing the passengers? What I don't I don't even know about that. My car certainly doesn't. That you know Not of. that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure my car was built before they had cameras. So I'm not too worried about it in my car. Um, is that, I mean, is that like a Tesla or which cars, which cars have cameras facing at passengers? I, I wouldn't be surprised. That. The Tesla newer does, ones yeah. did. Tesla does. Okay. So Steve, Steve, be careful. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that Elon assures me that what what it records, what the camera picks up is not sent to Tesla. It stays What, in what happens in your Tesla He's stays in your Tesla. He's just watching it himself. Like, it's, it's just supposed to be Elon. <laughs> What, 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 what kind of advertising are you being hit with, Steve? <laughs> uh, 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 no comment. <laughs> have, you, have you guys seen the um, bumper stickers that are starting to pop up for Tesla owners that say, I bought the car before I realized he was crazy? <laughs> <laughs> like a disclaimer people are putting on their bumpers. That's amazing. <laughs> I saw his satellite go by the other day, you know, the link satellite. I was out in the garden and it was beautiful, clear sky. And I saw all these, all these stars in a row. I was drinking some rum and, and I just looked at it. You're with a satellite. <laughs> and then, and then Googled it, thought, oh, and it was just this line of stars and it was his Elon Musk satellite going whizzing past, which was pretty amazing, I have to say. Caroline just has the best life. Like I was just drinking more rum and watching the satellites. I was at a regatta. I was at like I constantly yeah. like. <laughs> I forgot the regatta. That yeah. was so good. And then, but then I just that was peak Britain. Right. You get some bumper stickers for I joined Twitter before he owned it. When it was, when it was still Twitter. I saw this week that Walter Walter Mossberg, who once was the most influential tech writer in the country, maybe in some ways still is when he finally speaks, he got off of Twitter over uh, over Musk's uh, ADL craziness this week in a very public statement. I was glad to see that. Of course, I'm still on there. Uh, um, All right. So, Steve. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm not you telling you what office? kind of ad- I'm not telling you what kind of advertising again. No. <laughs> yes, Bob. You're are, How can you're, I help you're, you? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This show is just going to pot this week. It's not I'm getting all these messages from people trying to get out of the rain. I'm trying to help them. Like, um <laughs> Yes. Did you have a story? You had a story about back to the office, I think. 
Maybe. Well, no, <laughs> I'm <it> was, hoping. <laughs> was, well, if you had been listening, Bob, you would have noticed that my story kind of tied into the privacy concerns that Nikki raised a minute ago. <laughs> I wasn't but, paying attention. <laughs> yeah, but, so Feels this like, was a like story. Like 10 hours ago at this point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was our 98th episode. Patrick Smith uh, wrote a piece in the American Lawyer, and he was reporting on a new, um, I guess, piece of software. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but Goodwin Proctor has put into place this ability for anybody to check whether anybody else in Goodwin Proctor is in the office, or I guess by definition, not in the office. Um, which was kind of, I, I thought was kind of interesting because it gets into, brings into all the sort of workplace privacy issues and concerns that there may be um, with a lot of this stuff. And and the comments that uh, the people he talked to were interesting. I mean, some some were really had a terrible adverse reaction. Oh, it's like putting chips in us. They're going to see where we are at all times and follow us. And other people were like, ah, well, they already kind of know whether we're in the office or not, which is probably true. I mean, you know, if you have to use a badge to get in most places um, to some, some lawyers saying, oh, it's a great thing. Cause you know, it's, it's really good to know whether Joe is in the office or not at any given point in time, which I sort of found like, like, really? <laughs> like you could, you could call Joe and see if he answered the phone just as easy. <laughs> but yeah, I, was uh, I had that same reaction, well, Steve, to that. Wait, it, this sounds like people who are in, in areas of the world where it's really easy to commute. Uh, I am not going to call Joe to see if he's at the office and then begin my three hour LA commute. So I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta be pot committed if people yeah. are, I don't know. But like it, it, It's the whole yeah. thing, you know, I mean, uh, so you say, okay, well, maybe that's okay. But, you know, a couple of years ago, I was at a conference and there was a vendor that was saying, you know, I, I can use my, um, I can use my platform on your email to determine if somebody is making the kind of remarks that maybe they make before they leave the firm. Uh, or they're, you know, making remarks that they're dissatisfied with something. I mean, and it's all sort of, to me, it's all kind of creepy. I mean, sort of, sort of logic would tell you that, yeah, if you're in the office, you're using office systems, you, maybe you don't have much of an expectation of privacy. But yeah. I well, sort of always did. I mean, I tried to be careful and cautious about what I would say, but, you know... I don't know. It just kind of rubbed me. Reading this, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And, it, you know, of course, I love the statement that he quoted. He got a statement from the firm and the firm is committed to continuing to improve the hybrid work experience for okay. all members of the Goodwin community. Like, yeah, yeah we're going to improve the high. Yeah, we're going to improve it. All right. We're going to get your ass back in the office. That's what we're going to do. Well, yeah, I had the same reaction reading this. I mean, the firm's purported reasons for this to improve the in-office experience and allow for better collaboration. Like if I'm in the office and I'm wondering if Joe is in the office, I don't need to go to a public portal to see if he's there. I could like Slack him or text him or G-chat him or any of the 10,000 other ways people are... <laughs> sending words at me all day long. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe it's not for tracking purposes. I can see, I can see your side, but I can also see 
that you know if you there's a lot of pressure to go back to work now right like in the there's a uk firm that's attaching bonuses to to going back to the office but there's you know, there's just a lot of tussle over it and it's like well how do i decide how many days i'm in the office and we've had this conversation so many times but like yeah. you know, make the most of your time when you're in the office and how do you make the most of your time it's because you're going to be you've got to be in with the people that are, are relevant and i know there's different ways to communicate about that there's like email which is crap and there's you know this that the other but i think actually if you're going to make sense of your time it's going to be when your team is in and when you're going to be doing or you're having client meetings or what have you and you don't need to be in when you're doing your emails or doing private work or whatever um and so i do think that some of these apps where they show you and perhaps and i and i'm not familiar with the piece that you're talking about so it might be that i would have had the same reaction that you have but you know the apps that show help you to manage your life and do it in a more sensible way they make sense although in and in theory like steve said you know when you had your, your card you, you know who's in and out but these ones that present it quite nicely visually like they're in there and there and so you can manage your day I'm quite a fan of, although I get what you mean about it being a bit stalkerish. Well, if, again, yeah, like, I, like if you were going to work, collaborate with the team, if the whole point of going in is to collaborate with your team, normally wouldn't you plan that before the day of? Wouldn't you not go in and be like, oh, I hope they're here today? Well, right. But but also like this this kind of technology, like we've written, I've written a few about Maptician, uh, yeah. which does some stuff kind of like this. This technology, though, is valuable. It's not like it's not like you find out at noon, uh, oh, I wonder if somebody's in this office and go, look, it's more about you. It's in particular important for hoteling concept offices. It's about saying who's going to be here today. And, you know, we talk about that with office space, but it's also true of coverage. Increasingly in a hybrid world, staff they're cutting back on and they need and the firm needs to know, like, who's actually here today who we need to provide administrative assistance to. Uh, and so. That's that's one part of that kind of uh, kind of stuff. Uh, and the other half, though, about your team being in, there's a bit about your team being in, of course. But there was a survey recently that basically the only thing that motivates anybody to go into work is knowing that their friends are there, whether or not they're on their team or not. And if you could have a situation where you could start predictably saying, like, look, you know, you guys all come in together, you know, it would be great if you were coming in Mondays so that we could use your offices for these people who come in only on Friday. Like those sorts of things are helpful. And I understand the fear that it's surveillance, but in some ways it's a six of one half dozen of the other, right? Like either you come into the office at 9 a.m. every morning and you're there all day and then that's a form of surveillance or you get to work from home, but the trade-off is there's some kind of surveillance. Yeah, yeah no, I'm not, I'm not buying any of this. I disagree yeah. with everyone but Stephanie. <laughs> I think that Eric I thought, a, I, I thought I said the same thing as Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 uh, well, well, but, but let me, let me just make my point real quickly. Like, first of all, if, you know, you need to work with your team, as some uh, somebody said, you uh, can schedule ahead of time. I think Stephanie said yeah. you make sure everyone's in there ahead of time. If you need to see if your friends there, you select them. Hey, are you in the office before you walk down the off down the hallway to see them? If the ad, if the administrative um, part of the office needs to know who's there, they can look at the swipes. Every large firm and even smaller firms have swipes to get in the building. They know who's come and who's gone into the building. They know exactly when you arrive. So this, I call a bunch of BS on all of but this. But that's after the fact. The, yeah, I disagree. Yeah, they know who showed up. They can immediately look it up if right, they need to right, know. Right, right, right. After they show up, the issue with these sorts of these scheduling. sorts of programs is knowing beforehand. 
Right. And so well, you, that, make and sure that's the, you that's tell the, people you got to come in the office Tuesday and Thursday. And yeah, you know, this isn't beforehand, Joe. This is like real time. If you want to, you yeah. can look up any given person to see if they're right. currently and in the office. Yes, you up. The yes, yes. seeing the associates. That's what they're right. looking you, up. Who actually yeah, has right. the FaceTime? Going to the office the, where you go, Joe. But the purpose of these, <laughs> the purpose of this technology is so that you can start monitoring and planning ahead. And it's not when you get in, it's that you've said, I'm coming in today, basically. And then yes, in real time at noon, you can look up to see if that person is there, but that person has logged that they're going to come in that day beforehand. And that's how you figure out coverage. That's how, how you figure you, out where they're gonna sit. That makes no sense. Where so are you getting that from? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, again, I'm talking, Again, I'm talking about Maptician and all of its competitor things. I don't necessarily know about this specific program, but all of the other ones in this space are about you signing in beforehand. That basically, before you come to the office that day, you have to log in and be like, I'm going to be in today versus I'm not going to be in today. And that's what gets logged. And then it says, oh, they're, they're going to be sitting in this office today. And yeah. you know that they're physically there's, there. And that's the only difference purpose. here is that this is putting out a yeah. public data, a public database, essentially, of who's logged that they're going to be in the office. Right. Who's, right. Who's, but, right. But so who's does, there right but now? So, no. does, so does this, though. It's a, you you say that and then it's available to everyone else in the office that you have said that. That's I the, think so, anything involved in this one about fut like future planning or people have said I'm going to do this or that. This okay. is just. We're seeing who's here. You can check up on anybody okay. at any given time. And I, you know, Under I mean, the guise I will, of better uh, communication. There used to be. Yeah. There, there, I used to have a partner, and uh, he would come in every Saturday, not necessarily to do work, but to walk around the office to see who else was there on Saturday. <laughs> so that, that yeah. coming from that experience, it, it gives me some pause to think there's now going to be a way for Charlie to do that without even coming in the office. He can just walk on and see who's there. <laughs> At my old firm, there was a partner who used to walk around to see if the uh, only women partner had left early to go watch your kid's soccer game. Oh. Like he would literally just go to see if she was there but through this is a both partners, you know what I mean? So it's like ridiculous. Like that 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 happens all the time. And that my suspicion is that's what's going to be happening, not these um planning things. It's more just FaceTime. Who's actually here when they're supposed to be? The thing with Nikki, the thing with your thing about you could check the, the swipes and you could check, you could text each other, but you know, like or you, it's just the same as you know. That's, that would take for a long time. I don't I don't agree with the efficiency of that. I don't, and I don't think anybody would go to the portal or whatever, however it is you find out who's swiped in and out. I think because it's this like readily, it's just like with any app, you know, we all use apps in our lives that present us with information in a form which we wouldn't get elsewhere. We know we, we'd have to go and find it and and we wouldn't do it, right? Like, and, well, and I was I, saying that in response to Joe um, saying that it was for planning purposes in terms of, Staffing or something. That's what I meant about that. But go ahead. And, and it still is. Yeah. It's, well, this is, yeah. To be clear, this is not Maptician. This is an internal thing they right. have built. It is not. Sure, but but it's the, the same concepts anyway. That's what Caroline's saying. I'll let her finish. Yeah. Oh no, no. I'm just thinking that we, you know, it, well, you just don't. And I and I, I'm curious about this one that you're talking about because I'm surprised that the only thing it would be be useful would be for that day to see who's in. I can't understand why they wouldn't be using it for the types of purposes that, you know, also for people to be able to schedule and, and plan and all of the things. Mathematician that is more of a space planning and allocation so yeah. that firms can get, can use, have less square footage and accommodate 
a certain number of employees and, and balance who's in and who's out on any given kind of a day. Right. But still, they're capturing all that information. But yeah. on, the other, on the other hand, they've been capturing all that information since 9-11. I mean, I remember before 9-11, you could walk into any high rise in New York and, and wander around and nobody would know the difference. Uh, then all of a sudden you had to have a badge or you had to have an ID. And so, I mean, pretty much every major employer in any major city has known when you've come and gone ever since that day. Uh, and th this yeah. is just taking it a kind of a step yeah. farther in terms of saying, okay, now we'll put that out there, make it available to everybody. I mean, I, I think it's make offensive it, that but they're I also doing think it. And it's, it's kind of nonsensical because yeah. as you say, it, it, as, as I agree with Stephanie and Nikki and Steve that you could just put it out on Slack or email or yeah. text well, or whatever. And that well, gives you a heads up. If I'm in the office, I want someone to be like, hey, are you in today? Can we talk? I don't want them to just suddenly know I'm here and then start appearing and intruding on my time i might when i might be in the middle of something like how do you get right. anything done you know it's, but to Carolyn, the problem oh. the problem that i see with it is but i think when i think about it listening to you guys it's it's really the opportunity for mischief that that can be done with this or you you would have you would have partners using this tool to evaluate or influence the evaluation of a particular associate um, because it's now so easy to get your hands on the data and then report to the, you know, the selection committee that, oh, you know, I, look at this. Nikki was only in the office, you know, on average one day a week. You know, all the rest of us are here and so on. And so that, to me, that's, that's the. How about if we put cameras in and watch what but they're that doing? Was kind of all, but that was kind of always available in the pre-hybrid era. And now, obviously, it's different. But to Caroline's point, which I think is dead on correct, the even if this isn't this opera, this program isn't about programming, the reason they're doing it is to evaluate is then to evaluate whether or not they want to pre-program things. They're looking to see what the traffic pattern of people in the that. office that's are not what to the figure that out. Says. There's okay, that's fine. There's <laughs> zero motivation for it, is Caroline's point, which is correct. There's zero motivation for it if they aren't looking to save money on office space, if they aren't looking to lay off a bunch of staff people, if they aren't looking to save. Big law partners don't do anything without the opportunity to make money off of it. Uh, they're doing this because they see an opportunity to make money or save money off of it. And if this isn't currently for that pre-planning purpose, it's to gather the data so that their consultants can tell them, now what you can do is lay off 10% of your staff. You're giving uh, them a lot um, of credit. They're ego-driven. There was a question in the comments that said, is good when fooling anyone? And obviously the answer is they're fooling Joe. No, it, 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 look, it's, it's, look, uh, yeah. Caroline and I have believe that big law partners are way more uh, evil than you all do. They yeah. are they are way more calculating. I they like, like they are doing this for the money. I, like, you know, it. it's, it, no, I think it, they're evil in is. tracking people because they want to as the only one on this panel that has an in-office requirement. Maybe I'm reacting a little bit stronger to this. I don't need them to know when I'm coming and going. I'm playing nice. I'm doing whatever. People don't need to microchip me. I, know, I agree. I, I, like Steve's, I agree. Steve's expression, getting up to mischief, though. That I like. <laughs> That's what well, it, it, it's it's a particular. I mean, it's it's very relevant because we're having this debate mm -hmm. uh, primarily between younger lawyers and and older partners about how much you need to be in the office and how and whether we're going to make you be in the office and how whether your compensation and advancement may depend on whether you're in the office. Yeah, we had these tools 
before, but before we weren't having this argument. I mean, nobody, I mean, people kind of cared, but they weren't paying that much attention to it. Now it's become a very relevant thing. And I actually, you know, I actually, I think it so, was. so, so you, you can, you, and, and the, the hidden part of it, of course, is that you can have policies and say, and all right, you, you need to be here two days a week as an associate. But when it comes time to evaluate, are you going to say, okay, Nikki was in two days a week, but Joe was in four days a week. So Why do you really, keep on me? <laughs> <laughs> I, should, I should go the other way around. Yeah, I should pick on Joe. <laughs> Nikki was in the office four days a week. Joe was in the office the minimum of two days a week. And we can only advance one, so it's going to be Nikki. Sorry, Joe. But <laughs> that could they happen. They already have <laughs> yeah. that information from the swiping right. in. And yeah, so but I feel like Nikki's example right. of somebody would troll the halls to see, oh, did this woman leave early? This gives them the power to do that without even getting their asses out of their chairs. I bet yeah. you, I bet you, I forecast eventually everyone will be using this and nobody will think twice about it. I think I get yeah. that I, with, in the hybrid. That's what Dave said in the comments. Yeah, I, oh, did he? I didn't see. I think that at some point, oh, sorry, did he? Um, at some point, like, it's just going to be a, not even a thing, right? In the same way as eventually Gen AI, we're not even going to talk about it. It's just going to be something that does stuff in a really long distant future. At some point, I think that we just go to an office and we'll have an app and it'll be just like any other app that we use and we'll, people will be in or they won't and we'll be able to manage our time or, you know, I just don't think it's going to be a thing personally. And, and that's rule number all, one that's of management well. is to trust your employees and let them and trust all, them to do but, the right thing. What, where Caroline just, Caroline just said is, is maybe true, and if that's what it's used for, okay. But my, the thing I worry about is it being used for something else, um, and that is to and that is to advance unwritten rules uh, a law firm may have with respect to associate advancement to partnership or compensation or any of those things. I mean, not just part, not just associates, but even partners. So, and it has serious potential for that. That and all the other good purposes for it that already. Ex I mean, that data already exists. They already have access to it. It just opens the door to, like you said, mischief. I agree. But is it, well, is it in the same way as we were talking about Steve being targeted by Senate? <laughs> is that the world that we're living in now, right? Like we are living in a very watched over well, but I'm not and, you know, right. and I really thought I had like sort of a boring story for this week that would, would be <laughs> when I just mentioned it briefly and it would be done. I didn't know it was going to cause this. No, I was so glad you <laughs> picked it. I was going to, but I already saw it on the list. Yeah. Yeah. I well, actually we, had looked at it, too. and was like because I didn't have a story. I was like, oh, that one might be. And then you put it in there. Right. Yeah. Now everybody's trying to claim credit for Steve's idea. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> well, I looked and made sure he wouldn't be here first so i could claim it okay all right, all right. well we we are going to be very carefully checking attendance next week for our uh, Ooh, 100th anniversary good. show and uh we are going to be consequences if you do not attend uh, oh my god i can't really attend. i'm going to be in a being taken away from my birthday and i will be I just can't guarantee that I'll have so so. We're going to be checking the automobile. Will you be wearing a funny hat? <laughs> I might be wearing. <laughs> I might be sticking. No, we will we'll allow you to send in a a, a little video clip from your car. From the car. But yeah, I hope everybody will join us next week. A really good, a really good uh, program uh, lineup of people. How will all? How will fit them all in? I don't know. And what we're exactly what we're going to talk about? I don't know. Although. Nikki, Nikki via chat uh, GPT came up with a really good idea for our theme for next week. So we'll, 
throw that around and see if that works. And uh, hope everybody can make it. And uh, until then, hope everybody has a good week. See yeah. you next Friday. Have a good weekend. Great weekend. Bye, all. Bye, everyone. Thanks, guys.